1: Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Mary Kitzmiller from Kemp, Texas. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 10th, episode 2888. Good morning, Horse World.
0: What is your favorite day of the week?
1: You never stop learning, you never stop understanding. It's more in depth than just riding a horse knowing that for the rest of my life I could work on this and and I'll never stop learning.
2: Welcome back to the show, Mary. Mary stops by here the second Thursday of every month and we get to geek out on horse training. How you been? pretty good insanely
1: busy i can't believe it's already time for another show (laughs) insanely busy
2: you had you do have a busy schedule right now uh so today we're going to chat a little bit about your most recent competition at the stock horse show stock horse of texas show um which included a freestyle competition
1: and then we're gonna oh that one did not oh that one did not Oh, okay that was a different one yeah okay yeah Yeah, that's what my training tip is centered around. Okay, your
2: training tip, and then we're going to talk about uh, costume design because you really did an amazing freestyle at a recent competition, and we're going to kind of that was
1: the Fort Worth Stock Show. So they sound similar.
2: Yes, there's too many stock shows. We're going to kind of take a global look and then drill down a little bit because you've been posting pictures of the really amazing costume that you made, and of course that created a lot of questions. And then at uh, at the end of the show, as we usually do, we are going to take one or more of our listener submitted questions and geek out on training on that one. So that's, what's coming up and we always start the show with what's Mary been
1: up to. So what has Mary been up to? Um, yeah, so I just got back from that stock horse of Texas show. And for those of you guys who aren't familiar, cause maybe not everybody lives in Texas. Um, it is, it's a really cool show format where they have four categories of classes and you can p- compete in individual ones or go for an all around. And it's, they've so they've got cow work, they've got reining, they've got ranch trail and ranch pleasure. So it's actually really similar to how Mustang makeovers are, um, are organized where you've got four different kinds of classes showing off different skills of a very good using horse. And I've been taking Remy to these, I took him to the world show last year. And then we did this was the first show of this year. And it's really funny, because he's always a hit people always comment on him. You know, I've had a couple people say, I've been following him since the last show. Um, but I I'm so used to being in the Mustang bubble and knowing everything about Mustangs that you kind of assume that everyone knows what you know. And so (laughs) I had a ton of people. They would go either like, what is he or is he part Clydesdale or is he a draft (laughs) cross? Well, explain 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 to people why
2: people might say, Oh, is he part draft? Explain to people why that happens.
1: Yeah. So even though he is, um, at the impressive height of right about 14 hands. Um, he's very stocky, and he's got Clydesdale-type markings. He's a bay pinto with a big, gorgeous, bald face. He's got four white socks. And especially right now in the wintertime, he's got little bitty feathers and this big, full, fluffy tail. So he looks like—he doesn't look like a a—, a straight-up draft cross, in my opinion. He looks like maybe his granddaddy was a small draft horse. Um And I get so in my Mustang bubble that looking at Remy at home, I'm like, he looks just like a quarter horse. He looks exactly like Spooks got a gun, who's a quarter horse, has a paint horse, and quarter has similar markings. But then when I get to a show with actual quarter horses and paint. <laughs> he does not look like them. And people can definitely tell that there's a difference. Um, so yeah, he's a stocky, fluffy, feathered, little gypsy vanner type looking pony. And he's adorable.
2: <laughs> and he is fluffy, I think describes him perfectly because not only does he have lots of hair, it's it's the kind of hair you want to bury your face in.
1: Yes, yes, he's got a luxurious beard and full, he still thinks he's in Wyoming, uh, so his winter coat is quite, like, extravagant. Um, So, yeah, he definitely sticks
2: out. He sticks out. Now, at a a Mustang competition, probably not so much. It kind of blends in. Yeah, yeah, he blends right in. Now, I notice when you take Remy to competitions, and I suspect this applies to all of your horses, you allow them the privilege of going au natural, They are not shaved to within within an inch of their life. They still have feathers. They still have hair in their ears. They they look like a horse rather than a briar. Now, was that a conscious decision, or is that cultural within the
1: discipline you ride in? It's a little bit of everything. So one of the cool things about the stock horse shows and the ranch-type classes that you'll find at shows is – They are trying to, like, show off the epitome of a good working ranch horse. And so, yep, you can make the decision to clip and all of this stuff. You can have a bunch of silver on your saddle, but you're not going to get extra points for any of that. And, you know, um, you want... You want the horse to, you know, you obviously want the horse to look cared for and clean and you want your tack to be nice and presentable. And, you know, you want to look like you care about what you're doing. Um, So, you know, you, everything clean and nice, but you're not going to get extra points for extra bling. And like I clip a bridle path on Remy because it... Uh, like I just, it annoys me not to have one, but nothing else is clipped on him. I even had someone before Mustang makeover competitions there. Are you going to, are you going to shave that beard off of him? <laughs> Cause it is pretty, he looks like Gandalf a bit. Um, and I'm like, nope, he's Mustang. And I think in Remy's case, it makes him look way more handsome. If I like really clipped and trimmed and spruced him up, it would, I don't know, it'd be it, it would be gilding the lily. It just—it just wouldn't suit him. I think he looks much better, like he just came off of a ranch or he just came off of a mountain, yeah. um, you know, like a Mustang. Yeah. It's like Fab- um, so Fabio yeah.
2: should not have short hair,
1: right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like, so it is my conscious decision. But the shows that I tend to show at, um, they are—you—you you will see everything at a stock horse show. You will see a horse that looks like he's. You know, normally a pleasure horse, and he's just here having fun at the stock show. And you'll see horses that straight up came off the ranch, actually doing ranch horse things, and now they're here for the show. So you'll see a little bit of everything, but it all stuff. is acceptable.
2: that's how how interesting that because the, the these di- these classes in this discipline is really popular. It's not something that's niche or small or even grassroots at this point. it's it's a, a big deal within the equestrian community. And yet it still embraces that personal decision. You can decide whether or not you need to be uh, clipped and trimmed and neat and pretty by modern standards, or if you want to be neat and pretty by workmanlike standards, because they're two different things between, you know, you take a ranch horse off the ranch, you hose him off quick, maybe toss a little shampoo and hoof oil on good to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's interesting because a hundred years ago, that's how the show hunters started, right? Because originally Mm -hmm. they were working fox hunting horses that would go to compete during the off season for something to do. And yes, the turnout standard is different in fox hunting than it is on a working ranch, admittedly, but it has morphed into a very, very different thing. The things that you see, as far as turnouts concerned on a modern show hunter, you wouldn't really see in a hunt field. But this, the the, the stock horse disciplines are still very much honoring their roots, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah. And it's really exploded. I almost could not get a stall for this one. They sold 500 stalls for the event. Um, and, you know, it's struck a chord with a lot of people. So it's it's gotten, and there's there's not just the Texas one. They've got, you know, there's associations that you could probably find in your area, whether it's regional or national, um, and it's starting to get really popular.
2: Nido Keen, yay. Now, your recent experience at the Stock Horse Show of, of Texas, no, the Stock Horse of Texas Show, they give them these weird names. Um, it says your training tip is based on your experience. So uh, what was the catalyst?
1: Yeah. So, um, I took Remy to the show and I've only done, I've probably done less than 10 of these shows over the last several years. So I'm still getting to understand, you know, uh, the ins and outs of the rules and what's going to get you higher scores and all of this. Um, and, uh, I was not able – so these shows have a clinic usually the day before, which is also super cool, and they'll take you through each class and say, hey, we're going to help you out and everything. But, again, it's exploding in popularity, so the clinic immediately filled up. I couldn't get into the clinic, but they did – offer a free rope handling clinic that one of the, uh, competitors was really gracious to put on, uh, where you could just walk up and he had a drag set up because a lot of the times in these trail classes, you either have to like rope a dummy or you grab a rope off of a pole and you drag like a log or something around an obstacle to show like, Hey, if I ever showed up to a branding, my horse is pretty handy. Um, so So you could walk up and get tips on that and, I have done a lot of drag obstacles in a lot of different shows, including Mustang Makeovers. And I usually, that's something I get my horses broke to. It's really great exercise for your horse. And I pretty much know the ins and outs of what you're supposed to do with the rope and how you're supposed to dally and yada, yada, yada. But I don't actually work on ranches. And so I don't do, like, I'm not actually dra- dragging calves to the branding fire and all of that. So I didn't realize that there was stuff I really didn't know that might be, you know, causing me to lose points. Um, and during this clinic, this guy explained about, hey, you know, here's here's what you want to do. You want to be efficient. You want to ride right up to where you're going to grab your rope. Stop right there. Don't, you know, don't go a few steps short or a few steps too long. Don't stop away from the rope and side pass to it. We're showing a working ranch scenario. You want to be efficient. It's not a race, but you want to be like. We've got to get this work done. And, you know, when you grab your rope, he said, what's the first thing you do? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, grab the rope. um, (laughs) uh, Start dragging. And he's like, you want to put your tail into the rope on this side of your horse. You want to do this with your reins, and it all has to do with what's going to keep you safe, what's going to be the most efficient, what's going to get the job done in the best way. Um, and so, all of these little things, I had no idea. I was just grabbing the rope, dallying, and dragging it around. And so, I learned a lot of little things about. Okay, first, I'm going to grab the rope. I'm going to put the. I'm going to put my reins over here. Cause that's the safest way to have the reins, so I don't get tangled up in the rope. I put the tail into the rope over here. He showed me how to grab the the, the rope in a way to dally that. You know, he said, if you grab it this way, it's going to be loose and your horse could step on it. It could be a disaster. You need to grab this way and draw it up and you need to dally this way. And then he showed me like, you know, when you're going around, he said, okay, you want to make sure you set that log. So you've dragged the log around. Usually you have to drag it around something in a circle or maybe a figure eight. But when you're done, putting the rope back is just as important as picking it up. You don't just throw your rope away because that wouldn't do Uh, You know, on a ranch, you know, everything's got to have a purpose. And he said, you know, you want to put that log exactly where you had it so the next competitor can go right in and grab it. And you need to hang the coils up in this way. Um, And so something that I thought I knew a ton about, there were all these little intricacies I was missing. And so I thought about that all week and about how I was going to do the rope. And when it came time to show in the trail class, usually when I go to these shows, um, the classes are pretty big and the competitors are really, really good. Actually, I was showing against Mike Major, who's a Road to the Horse competitor this year. Yeah. And um, so normally I place middle of the pack in these large trail classes, which I'm super proud of. Um, But this time I placed much higher. I was fifth place and i was only one point off the winner who was mike major by the way um i was one point off the winner i had one little penalty where he ticked a log and if he hadn't ticked that log i would have been in, i would have tied for first wow. and i yeah i was so excited so i completely believe it was those tiny those little tips to tweak and get everything just right that helped elevate my game and make you know make my run from a you know hey that's pretty respectable respectable to top 5 one point off the lead and so i'd say the training tip based on that and this is something i'm constantly reminding myself is when you go out to show um, get real familiar with the rules, get real familiar with what the judges are looking for and look for areas where you can steal those extra points that not a lot of people are going to think about. Because I sat and watched a lot of the other trail classes beforehand to see how people were going to do their run and a lot of the other competitors in my class. And after having that little discussion about how to handle the rope, I saw a lot of people who did a adequate job of the rope handling, but I'm like, oh, they didn't do this. Oh, they should have done that. Oh, that doesn't look quite right. And it really opened my eyes to once again, you know, whatever association you're in, get that rule book out, look at it. What's going to get you penalties? What's going to get you extra points? If you can, if you have any kind of chance to do a walkthrough beforehand or talk to the judge afterwards or go look at your score sheets, it's going to help elevate your runs and get you in a lot higher position.
2: How interesting, huh? See, and because it's a ranch horse competition on the surface, I've never attended one. I've only ever watched videos online of them. I'm going well you i I looked at it the same way you did. Well, you go up there, you get the rope, you do this, and you do this, and you do this, but there's there's always more to drill down on, regardless of the discipline, whether you do ranch horse competitions, dressage, endurance fox hunting there's always more to
1: drill down on how interesting is that yay yeah and and the cool thing is all of these little adjustments didn't you know it 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 didn't affect like I didn't have to put any more pressure on my horse it was we already had the basic skills it was something I could change like right then and there and there are often times when, like when I show at these stock horse shows, we still don't have a lead change. We're working on it, but we don't have a big, powerful sliding stop or a big, you know, really impressive spin. And we don't look as fancy as some of the horses that are like bred to do this. Um, but there's ways where you can get those extra points and they're hidden in those patterns. And it's things people don't think about. Like for instance you know if the pattern calls for you to one of the raining patterns calls for you to run into the arena and do a stop and and back up and most people are going to focus on that stop because that's the big ticket item but there's Well, he asks what
2: everybody cheers for. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's so many other things that go in that pattern that you can fix even if you don't have a big stop. Like get that straight line perfect. Make sure you hit if you're supposed to run past the marker, make sure you run past the marker. If you're supposed to back to center, make sure you back and hit exactly center. And those are things where your horse doesn't have to be super fancy. You don't have to be super fancy. You can, you know, you can make your run look very pleasing and and get those extra points just by tweaking little yeah. bitty things. Yeah.
2: Accuracy is something yeah. that you don't have to have the fancy mover to get accuracy. That's something that uh, um, is often lost in dressage is we are, those of us who don't have a fancy mover look at go, oh, I'm never going to compete against so-and-so. But especially as you move up the levels, accuracy becomes key if you can't manage to get if you get a half a stride off or three feet off on those markers, like you said, you can steal your points or gain your points back and really make yourself much more competitive regardless of your horse's quality of movement or breeding. Now, do you, whenever you go to the stock shows, the open ones, um, I promise this is the last off topic question. Um, do you see a variety of breeds or is it pretty much stock type horses? Do you see horses, you see Arabians and, um, Quarter horses and thoroughbreds. And do you see a lot of different variety or is it pretty generic, pretty single? The single?
1: overwhelming majority is the stock type breeds like your quarter horses, your paints. Um, but uh, you do see a few like, for instance, there's a Morgan that I've seen at a couple of shows and he's this big Big, gorgeous horse. Um, And so every once in a while, uh, you will see a few different breeds in there. I know I've uh, shown with Bobby Kerr at one of these, and he had a half Mustang. Um, And, of course, it's welcoming to all breeds. Uh, But, yeah, most most of the horses you're going to be showing against are your quarter horses. There
2: you go. Well, speaking of drilling down, and there's never never a detail too small, uh, the folks over at Total Saddle Fit know that. And there's no detail too small when it comes to fitting your saddle and what saddle pad you use under your saddle has a huge effect on how your saddle fits. So they came up with something called the perfect saddle pad and it is made to fit under Western saddles. They have four different sizes, small rounded barrel, medium square, medium rounded, and large square. So they have one that's going to fit underneath of your saddle perfectly, because if it's the wrong size under your saddle, it doesn't matter about the rest, you know? Giant saddle pad under little saddle, not good. Little saddle pad under big saddle, again, not good. It's not going to work out. So uh, check out the folks over at Total Saddle Fit, where you can find the perfect saddle pad. It has wither freedom cutback and a full saddle fitting system so you can shim it if you need to. And it is made of top quality stuff. So if you buy your saddle pad, by the way, from Total Saddle Fit, they have a guarantee, free shipping. And if you don't like it, they'll give you your money back when you send it back and pay the shipping to get it back. Totalsaddlefit.com. No detail too small. So coming up next... Um, I was having a great time following your preps for your freestyle and most of the details you had to keep secret because hello, you don't want anybody stealing your details. Um, and we talked a lot about the actual competition last month. So this month, now that the cat's out of bag, I wanted to chat with you a little bit about costuming. So start out with, tell us what your theme was and what the costume was. Give us the big
1: picture. So my theme was just kind of a general fantasy slash medieval theme, which I've been wanting to do for years. Um, And I uh, had to narrow it down from all these grand ideas that I had pinned on Pinterest to construct this costume for both Remy and I, um, because I wanted it to be, you know, I wanted it to look impressive. I didn't want it to look like I got, you know, a kid's costume from Walmart and plastic <laughs> sword and, you know, and I, I didn't, it wasn't as grandiose as I had originally envisioned. Um, but I managed to make some pretty cool stuff without going insane. So I'm pretty proud of that fact. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, whenever, <clears throat> whenever you enter into a competition and you enter a freestyle class, What are some of the questions you ask yourself before you decide on your theme and costume? What are some big picture, okay, these are ingredients that are going to affect that decision?
1: So, again, this is something where you want to look at the rules. Um, there are freestyle competitions that are heavily scored on your maneuvers, and the freestyle portion, like your costume and your music, is sort of a, almost an afterthought. For instance, like the um, the Cong- Quarter, Horse, Ho- Quarter Horse Congress has a really popular reigning freestyle uh, competition. And if you look at the rules, they are really scoring you heavily on your reigning pattern and maneuvers. And all the rest of the stuff that you do with it is kind of falls under this general like Audi crowd appeal score. So if I was going to prepare for that, I would focus really hard on man, making that raining pattern is good. And then, you know, coming up with the costume after the fact, um, for, uh, most other freestyles, you are going to get a score on your horsemanship. Sometimes it's really general, like, you know, we're gonna give you 30 points and it's just on overall horsemanship, and we wanna see some variety of maneuvers. So that leaves a lot open to interpretation. Um uh for the road to the horse rules, uh, the freestyle I'm doing in a month has compulsory maneuvers you have to hit. Um so that's really important but then they all, so on the other side of that so you've got your horsemanship score however the freestyle decides to score that but then you've got um a lot of points allotted to uh crowd appeal overall like does your music match what you're doing is your energy match your music uh are you you know um are are you engaging with the audience? Um, are you displaying anything that's above and beyond the horsemanship maneuvers that we um, that we're looking for? So, so there are a lot of points that you can get in just having a really neat theme and costume. Um, and normally, when I've done these, I. You know, i st- I'm not a person who's re- I don't tend to come up with like these really crazy big ideas. There are people whose brains work that way, and it's so fascinating to me what they come up with. I've usually done the garocha routine at um just about I think every freestyle um and like with the Mustang makeovers, there's a chance you won't make it. There's a good chance you won't make it to the finals to show your freestyle. So I've seen people pull up with like truckloads of props and cool ideas, and then they didn't make the finals. So <laughs> I, I didn't they want need, that heartbreak. They need to have a so special I, entry where you can just do your freestyle because it's cool. And they bring they in crowds. People yeah, like to they watch do. the freestyle. Well, and and so I've kept everything pretty minimal and simple as far as themes for those types where you know you may not even get to do a freestyle for the Mustang Magic. Um, it that was the competition was you are showing a freestyle, so I felt like okay, I need to have more, uh, because I have the opportunity to have more, um. And it's, I mean, I'm going to do it. It's not, it's not up in the air. So I, um, this was actually pretty stressful for me with like, do I have props? How many props do I have? And I had come up with tons and tons and tons of ideas for props, but I could not think of props that I wanted to do that would elevate what I was doing. Like right. you don't want to have props had, for props sake. Right. Right. Exactly. Unless you're going to do something with them. So I I had, you know, gone back to the drawing board a lot of times on that. I did settle on the cool dragon. Um, but then I wanted the costume to be really neat. And um, I d- had decided I was going to make as much of it um, as I could myself, just because... I have I have the means and machinery to, and it was it, it really tickled my the artist side of my brain. Um, so I I just had tons and tons of stuff pinned on Pinterest of mm-hmm. you know cool costume ideas. So
2: whenever you think about the costume aspect of a freestyle,
1: um,
2: do you start with the overall design? Do you start with how much of it do I want to make myself? Do you start with the practicality of putting it on the horse and the horse
1: wearing it. Yeah. uh,
2: Where I (laughs) started was,
1: yeah, (laughs) I pretty much like Googled, you know, medieval horse, medieval horse and knight. And I went from there and I looked at illustrations and I looked at other people who had made their own costumes for whether it's parade or Renaissance fair or, or just for fun. Um, and I started to pull elements together that I really liked that I thought was doable that I could make. Um, and that looked really cool. And the elements I decided on for Remy, I wanted, um, and I'm probably going to mispronounce these things, a chamfron, which is the thing that goes on their face. It's the horse face armor mask type Mm -hmm. deal. Um, there's a piece of neck armor I wanted to go over Remy's neck and I think it's called a crinet Like I said, don't know if I'm pronouncing these correctly. Um, and then there, uh, I couldn't decide whether I wanted, uh, I forgot the name of it already, but there's this, um, this type of like dressing you put on your horse and it's all these leather pieces. It sort of looks like a brick but it's not, it goes around their butt and kind of over there. It's all these leather straps. There's a name for it, but it's, it's left me. Um, or if I was going to do what you see with like jousting nights, the big blanket that covers the whole horse, it mm-hmm. looks like a really oversized turnout sheet. Um, I, didn't want to do both. and so I went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. actually bought all the stuff to make the leather stuff. Um, but when it w- you know, at, at some point it was the clock was ticking, and so I decided to go with the blanket instead, and I thought that would look better visually. Um, so I started with the leather first, and I have laser engravers, which I'm pretty handy with. So I actually designed everything. I will say the pattern for the chamfron. if anyone is interested, I want to give credit to the person I got the pattern from. It's called the unicorn maker. They're on Etsy. Um, and it's, uh, so I used that layout for the, for the face thing to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I added my own designs to it. I, um, I actually used my other laser engraver that does metal to make my heart conchos. So I designed on my computer, like all these Celtic hearts. And, um, so I designed those, cut those out of nickel silver, made those conchos. And then I used that pattern and added a Celtic border to it and made that little face plate and attached it all together. And that was actually like the... I wouldn't say it was the easiest piece I made, but it was the piece where start to finish, everything worked. No mistakes. And it made me super confident going in because <laughs> I was like, I'm really good at this. <laughs> there you go. And it looked adorable. Um, now, so when I sh- you,
2: once you got these parts made, did you – obviously, you had to try them on to make sure they fit because they were being custom made. But as far as the training process was concerned, the parts of the costume – that Remy would notice, for example, if you wore stuff that flew around, how did you deal with the training aspect to make sure, okay, he needs to wear a thing on the middle of his face, which he doesn't normally wear at home. Uh, did you try it on beforehand? Did you practice with it a lot? Did you use different materials before
1: you put the finely made one on? I definitely practice beforehand. And the good thing about um, how I start my horses is For the most part, if I say, hey, I'm going to put this weird thing on you, they're like, well, all right. Um, And even if they might be a little nervous about it at first, they know I've taught them over time, hey, if you're ever unsure about something, this is what you do. You give your attention to me. You give to pressure. I'm going to help you through it. So I, I never really have a problem, knock on wood, with my horses like totally freaking out about something new. I've really done a lot of prep work in starting my horses to say, hey, weird things may happen here's what you do. Um, So I didn't really have too much issue with like having to worry about desensitizing. Um, But I did want to make sure it was comfortable and it wasn't going to, you know, sometimes you put a piece of equipment on your horse and it, maybe it rubs some hair off. You weren't expecting it to. So I wanted to definitely ride around in it and make sure it wasn't going to cause any discomfort or hurt him in any way. Um, So I definitely practiced with everything beforehand and like, made sure that I could walk, trot, and canter with it and that it was going to work because, you know, I didn't want to do anything that was going to cause any kind of harm or discomfort or th- uh, something that I would think would work and then it falls apart in the middle of our freestyle. There you go. <laughs> or you you have it, it works just fine until the horse stops and has
2: himself a good shake and then it, you know, comes undone or wraps around a leg or something crazy and bizarre like that.
1: Yeah, and so I did have that experience with the neck armor, which I was, I was heartbroken over because I spent a whole day making it. it was all these pieces of leather that I had riveted together and I made them to where they could move and bend. Um, it almost looks, I don't, I don't know the best way to describe it. It almost kind of looks like a dragon scale thing going over your horse's neck, mm-hmm. um, and I had put all these handmade conchos on it, and that one I did not have a pattern for. There wasn't one available. I just had to look at many, many, many pictures and totally guess. Um, it it was a piece of equipment I would have happily bought, but by the time I had thought to do it, I, most of the people who make these and sell them, it's custom, it's made to order, and I just knew, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to get this in time. <laughs> so I thought I can make it, and. In theory, it should have worked, and I put it on him. It looked adorable, took pictures, and then when I rode him in it, it just did not work. It, It would fall side to side, so I would add different buckles and change things, and then it would not it didn't have enough give for him to really raise and lower his head, oh. um, so I would loosen things and tighten things and adjust things, and it I just never got it working. I kept it because I'm like one of these days I'm gonna figure this out, so I had to scrap that in the interest of you know n- you know making making sure Remy wasn't uncomfortable and that it wasn't just going to fall off, mm-hmm. uh, so I never got that one working. I was bummed. Oh.
2: Gosh, but, but that's the thing is you have to try it on and actually use it because these are custom parts. Yeah. Because if you had just saved it, it's like, no, it fits him standing still, take it off and then used it the day of the competition, you would have had, uh, I hate to say it, a costume failure. Yes, that would not have gone well. It <laughs> well. Now for different horses, let's say you wanted to do that theme with um, Guthrie. Guthrie is your quarter horse that you mm-hmm. did the um, Road to the Horse with, right? Am I right? hmm Right. Yes. Would there have been a different process at all using Guthrie Ford versus Remy? Remy being a Mustang who's pretty well-trained. It's not like he's a brand-new Mustang. He's He's been there, done that. But Guthrie's a very different horse. They all have different personalities, different needs, different strengths,
1: different weaknesses. Would the process have gone any differently, you think? Probably not. Obviously different sizing, but um for the most part, you know, obviously you need to practice and introduce them to it. Um I will say, so I do want to mention Remy did have challenges with a couple of the costume elements um that I didn't expect. So the the flag that I carried, he was like, I don't like that. And I was super surprised because I've carried lots of things with him. I've done a lot of flag work in the groundwork. He he didn't like that. Um he was fine with the blanket I made for him, but it did I did need to do a ride or two with it. Just to make sure, hey, you feel the slapping against you. And I would, like, lift it up and be like, hey, if the wind catches it, are you okay? And he was fine with that. The flag he didn't like. And when I say he didn't like, he didn't, like, buck me off or anything. But anytime I'd go to pick it up off the wall, he's like, no, I don't want to. So it took a couple of sessions of, hey, every time you go to get the flag, click and treat. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, give me that flag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So different horses are going to have different quirks. Uh, Guthrie and Remy are very, very similar in personality. So it probably would have been a lot of the same process. I could see Guthrie also being like, I don't like that flag. Um, So, so yeah, you know, there I've had some horses that you can get them really broke to something, but they kind of still don't like it. And like With, I had a horse that didn't like any kind of rope work, like dragging things. So, anytime I knew I would have to do it, I'd be like, hey, let's just practice this a little bit beforehand. They know, yeah, yeah, they know how to behave with it. They, you know, they're not going to like destroy me or anything because I'm doing it, but I need to give them a heads up like, hey, we're going to be dragging something next week. Let's, let's work on this a little bit.
2: That's smart horsemanship because if you have a skill set that a horse has, accomplished, for example, dragging something, but the horse is innately uncomfortable with it. He has learned, he's like, okay, I'm going to do this because I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a cookie, but it's still not my favorite, but I know it's not going to hurt and there's probably going to be a reward if I do it well. It's smart horsemanship to review that skill and run through because when you go to a competition, you have that my favorite set of my favorite term, you have trigger stacking. It's not just that he has to do a skill that he's a little bit unfamiliar with or a skill that he's a little bit uncomfortable with that is not his favorite. You're going to have all the other stuff on top of it. So if you say to yourself, oh, he's fine with it, he's uncomfortable, but he's fine, you're asking for trouble.
1: Yeah, it, it never hurts to check up on things beforehand. You know, it's fair to your horse, like just give him a heads up. Plus, you know, you don't take into account when you're at the show. Every, the energy on everything's going to be up. You're going to be nervous. They're going to be nervous. Yep. Lots of things going around. So, you know, just you don't, even you, if you've right, got Right. You don't them. know that the moment
2: you reach over to grab the rope to drag that log 15 feet in your trail class, the lights aren't going to go out. Um, a, tr- a tractor trailer out back is going to start up right outside the arena door. You don't know those things. So to make sure it's like, you know, we've got this. We have reestablished and we've got this really solid. We hadn't practiced it in six months. Yeah. Smart horsemanship.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, and, you you know, you can always assume things about your horse. I will say the other, it was really funny. The other challenge I did have with Remy that was totally unexpected was um for my costume. I got a cool cape. Um, and that, that I did order, um, that came from Etsy and, um, I wish that I had occasion to wear it every day because (laughs) it makes me feel so cool. But it was the first time that I, so I had, I had got the shoulder armor, which I ordered and I got this cape and I thought, I'm going to go ride Remy in it. And I put both on and I'm wearing the cape and I went to Remy's turnout pin to catch him and he looked at me and he was like, no. And... (laughs) I was like, "Oh no, you'll be fine," and he's like, "No." And you're wearing a dead um, animal on
2: your back. I'm not going anywhere near you.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was like, "He's like, I don't know what that thing is that's flapping around, but no, it's a hard no." And so I am like, run, not running, but I'm go, I'm walking behind my horse who's running around snorting. Um and this turnout pen is like right off of a road so people are seeing as I'm dressed as a knight trying to catch my dumb horse. Um <laughs> and I he was finally you know once I caught him and he was he was finally fine but I I just thought it was really funny. I was like in full costume and I can't catch my horse. Um You look weird. Mom. But yeah. yeah. I am embarrassed. Yeah. He- he was not expecting that, and um. But you know, once once he figured out what the game was, and I, I rode him around and made sure like I had flapped that cape way too much just to let him know, hey, there's something different going on up here. And then he was cool. There we go,
2: pretty cool. Well, we're gonna take a quick break here, um, and have a little song. I think we're gonna listen to some Jared Rogerson today. And when we get back, we are going to last, We're gonna answer a listener submitted question.
0: in her hair. She can go anywhere on that pile of me no mare. She's got Rocky Mountain ivory that she wears around her neck. And the Grateful Dead plays song in her head somewhere between. She's all about peace Love horses and me She could end the war With just a smile She can drive a tractor Bail and for miles and miles She says in a sense throw some right out Deal with a handshake That's her philosophy She can rope and ride And she likes hanging out with me She believes that love Is the one thing that can change anything And she loves me And that's the part that gets me She's all about peace of horses, me.
2: Do you have an older horse that's trying to age gracefully? Trust the future with your old friend to the number one equine vet recommended senior feed, Purina Equine Senior from Purina Animal Nutrition. They are years ahead in senior research, so you can have more good years with your horse. Try Purina Equine Senior today. Put their research to the test at horseinnovation.com. And it's time for our listener queue. If you're wondering how to submit a question for the listener queue, you have to be an auditor. If you're wondering how to become an auditor, go to HorsesInTheMorning.com and click on the auditor button. Those are people who toss in a couple of bucks each month via our Patreon account to help support Horse Radio Network programming. And they get the privilege of submitting questions to our hosts on various and sundry shows on the network. So what is our question and who's it from this time?
1: We've got a question from Lindsay and her question's Starts out with anxiety, which is a great way to open a question. <laughs> how uh, She wants to know how to manage anxiety off property. She says we trailer weekly for two years now, and it's the same old song and dance. I'm nervous about a show environment explosion. She trailers and loads up beautifully now, gets off the trailer, and tries to bully me around. Um, which I think everyone can relate to at some point in our lives of Everything looks great at home. Get to the show. Everything's awful. And what do you do? Um, so the thing that I do to conquer this is what I work on at home. And I touched on this earlier talking about the costuming stuff and introducing my horse to new things. Um, I want to show my horse what to do in case. Um, and so I do these like fire drills is what I call them. Um, where I will create a scenario where there's more pressure than the horse would like, and they're not in trouble if they don't react in a desirable way. Um, you know, cause it's okay if they're scared or nervous or, or confused, but I will show them, Hey, this is what you need to do. And so on the ground, what this looks like is um, you need to give me space. You need to stay back away from me and you need to look at me. You need to put your attention on me. Um, and, I, every time that horse finds that spot, I will make them feel really good for it. I'll release all the pressure, I'll love on them, I'll click and treat, whatever I can do to make my horse feel good for finding that spot. And this is actually the very, very first lesson I teach with wild mustangs or any horse. I teach this in the round pen where I don't really round pen my horses so much anymore in the sense of like sending them around and around and around. I mean, I will teach them no walk, trot, and canner in the round pin, but for that first lesson, what I try to do is get their attention on me. And in the case of like a wild Mustang, I might just have to clap my hands. And if they look at me, I walk Far away from them, like give them space. Like, hey, that was the right decision. If they try to run off, I will block them on either side, sort of like I cut them back and forth. And then anytime they look at me, I turn around and walk off. If it's been really challenging, I might leave the round pen for a moment be like, hey, you did it. You can have all your space. And in the beginning, the horse just does it because they know, okay, that's where their release of pressure is, whatever. If that's what I have to do to get the pressure off, that's what I'm going to do. But what is going to eventually happen over time, and I practice, 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 practice this, um, first in the round pin and then in bigger areas, eventually over time, what is going to happen is something will cause the horse to feel scared or nervous and they might kind of raise their head up really quick. And then they'll look at me like, what do you want me to do? Because they know after all our repetition that the safe place is looking at me and giving me attention. Um, and so you can, you can do this on the lead rope. You can do this in the round pin, um, but I do a lot of teaching my horse to yield their hindquarters and face up. And every time they face up, I'll walk up to them, pet on them, love you know, love on them, release that pressure, click and treat. Facing me is the best option because when you get to these other places, you go to these shows or trail rides or whatever, a lot of times a nervous horse is probably going to be looking everywhere but you for safety. They're going to be looking (laughs) at the other horses. Yeah, they're going to be looking, uh, you know, they're going to be focusing their attention on getting away from the scary things. So what might happen in that horse's, what's going on in that horse's mind is I have to get away. I have to use my feet. I have to get safe. And if you haven't taught him, hey, the safe place is looking at me, he might find it somewhere else. And that's where you can have horses that try to drag you off or, even run over the top of you. Um, So the, you know, the second half of that equation is look at me, but stay, stay back so that you don't, you know, you don't jump on top of me if you spook or rear or whatever um so I've done this in a lot of clinics I I actually had I've talked about this on the show before but I was at an event where it was kind of like a big group trail ride/ slash a lot of people were doing clinics so you know there it was a big outdoor event people were riding around and going to different clinics or going on trail rides and I had a lady walk up to me and ask me a question very similar to this she um, uh, she was asking what to do about her horse. And as she's trying to ask me the question, her horse is running around her in circles and she's kind of passing the rope from hand to hand while trying to ask me the question. And I said, (laughs) okay, let me borrow your horse for a second. And so what I did with that horse was um, I would shake the lead rope to get the horse off of me And I would release every time the horse backed away and put their focus on me. And the horse might stand there for a split second. They might look at me for a second and then they immediately went back to, I got to move, I got to move, I got to move. And so I would shake that rope, get off of me and face me. And I would do whatever I could to get their attention, either if that's tipping their nose toward me or even sometimes I'll scuff my feet in the ground a little bit just to make them go, oh, what was that? And look at me. And then every time they do that, I put a, I I had a big long lead rope and I put a big belly in that lead rope of I'm not going to pull on you or try to hold you still when you're looking at me. I'm just, I'm releasing everything and I'm going to trust that horse. I'm going to treat that horse like he's going to be good. And he might be able to hold it for two or three more seconds. And then he's going to run around again. And I will sit there. And if you look at me doing this, I am still as could be. I'm very firm. I'm not going to let you run over me. I'm not going to let you run off. But I'm very, like, slow and deliberate. And I'm chill. You know, you're the one panicking. I'm not panicking. Because if I start to panic, then he's going to go, oh, you're panicking too? Now I'm really going to panic. <laughs> I'm slow. I'm firm. And I put pressure when I need to, at least as soon as I can. And so, you know, I, I might sit there doing something like that with a horse for 10, 15 minutes. I'm not going to do anything else because you can't do the bakes yet. So we're not going to go to the next step. We're not going to go try and ride or whatever until we. And get this little piece of the puzzle fixed and I will just sit there, shake that rope, get back away from me, face me get back away from me, face me, get back away from me, face me and without fail what I've seen happen every single time I do this is the horse will f- learn to stand where he's supposed to just because he knows that's the a path of least resistance but you can tell he's just so nervous and that's alright it's okay, I just keep pushing that point home get back away, look at me, get back away, look at me, get back away, look at me. Those two tests. that's all you got to do. And what happens every single time is that horse will hit a point where they just go, (sighs) and they will drop their head and they will lick and chew and lick and chew and lick and chew. And they just let out all that tension. And you're not going to probably, with a horse that's exceptionally nervous away from home, probably not going to fix this. First time out, um, you know, I know that Lindsay's been diligently hauling her horse and practicing a lot. And that's okay. You know, just kind of get ready for the long haul and, and start. This is your starting point. When we back off the trailer, the first thing I want you to do is put your attention on me. Don't run me over and just put your attention on me. And if you can get that started, you've planted a seed of, hey, anytime you're nervous, this is what you do. Um, and that that is where I would start and I would practice this a ton at home um, oh, That's interesting load
2: them up That's interesting. Yeah, I like that because that whole break it down into smaller steps pitch up Load the horse don't even drive anywhere back off again Go through the process and it, it might be that the process is very short back off pay attention to be okay next go do something else Put them away yeah, go and ride do your normal thing. I like that and then drive around the block come back home Do the same thing and wait until that is really solid before you expect results going away from home. Because now that the horse has been doing this the same way for quite some time, it's a pretty established behavior pattern. It's not going to be easy to help the horse overcome this.
1: Yeah, it's it's just, it, it's totally fixable. Um, you know, you just have to be diligent about it. And when I say practice at home, so definitely hooking up the trailer and practicing that kind of loading and unloading at home is really great. But maybe you don't always have the ability to do that. You can still practice this wherever you are at home um, of just getting in this habit of Hey, I want you to back away from me and look at me. And I like to do a lot of flag work to kind of mimic a higher pressure situation. Um, I teach my horses to move with a with a horsemanship training flag, um, and the flag creates just a little bit of pressure. and And I teach my horses to find the answer. So I I do a lot of like. Using the flag to yield their hindquarters and face up and then release everything. Put the flag down, back away, and release everything when they're looking at me. And you'd be so surprised at how much that simple exercise can like, it's like an exorcism. It gets rid of the demons. Um, Because I think what's going through the horse's mind in these situations is They want help. They don't know where to find it. Maybe they'll find it with the other horses. Maybe they'll find it if they run away. Maybe, you know, maybe they'll find it if they run around in a million little circles. And so they don't they don't know what to do. And so um, I've used this analogy before. And I like to, you know, if I, for instance, I'm in the top floor of a burning building and i don't know how to get out i'm going to be panicking i'm going to be running around just losing my mind but if someone with authority like a fireman full regalia comes crashing through the window and he says follow me i'm going to go oh thank god and i'm going to follow i'm going to follow that person and do what they tell me to do and i'm going to be able to get myself to safety and it's this in the horse's mind it is life or death sometimes you know they they don't know that everything's going to be okay they're prey animal They're meant to run away from danger. And sometimes they feel so much that they just are thinking, run away, run away, run away. And if we teach them, especially at home and controlled situations, and then start to add a little bit of pressure as we go, hey, if you're ever nervous, this is what you do. And even that fact where they know what the answer is, oh, I'm supposed to look at my person, put my attention on my person – that can give them so much comfort and they will stop looking so much to the outside to get the help they need.
2: There you go. They're looking to the outside, looking for the escape route. Interesting. So finding ways to really reinforce the horse saying, you're my safe place. All I have to do is look at you and you're going to make it okay for me. And finding as many different ways to, to reinforce that, that's all going to help support the same process when you leave home. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that helps. Yeah. Well, that was fun for people who want to keep an eye on what you're up to artistically as well as horse training wise, where can they appropriately stalk you online?
1: You can find me on Facebook at Mary Kitzmiller Horsemanship. And then uh, I also have an art and jewelry business that is troublemaker trading company.
2: There we go. Now you have a, you have a clinic coming up, don't you?
1: I do. April 9th and 10th, I believe, in Oregon.
2: There we go. So if you are interested in either riding in or auditing that clinic, just I contact me. I think her.
1: it's full,
2: but... A, there might be um, auditor spots left. I think the riding yes, the yeah. rides are all full. That happened like overnight. <laughs> or yeah. if you would like to have Mary come out to do a clinic um, in your area, all that can happen via Mary Kitzmiller Horsemanship, and I encourage you to do that. And if you haven't done so already, download the Free Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android. That way you don't have to miss any episodes. Or if you like to use a podcatching device, a streaming service, because you listen to lots of other podcasts, we're at all of them. So I'll see you again next month, Mary, on the second Thursday. Top secret, I think we might be talking about jousting next month.
1: Ooh, for sure.